Hey, this is Andy Lucas, pastor of Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this message helps you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, visit theroadfc.org and click the giving link. First uh, Corinthians is an ancient letter written by the Apostle Paul uh, to the Christians living in Corinth. Uh, Paul actually planted that church so he knows the people there well. Uh, and after living in Corinth for about a year and a half, planting that church, ministering there, telling people about Jesus, he moves on and goes to plant other churches. But he gets word coming back that things have gone awry in Corinth. Uh, and so he, want, he, so he writes this letter back to the church in Corinth in order to help address some of those issues that are going on. And there are a number of problems that he addresses in the letter. But in chapter 15 that Lila read for us, he's addressing a problem that some folks in the church were saying that belief in the resurrection was absurd and not important to faith. And so Paul responds to this claim, and the core of his argument is that belief in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ is absolutely central to Christian faith. He says, in fact, later on in the chapter, he says, if Jesus wasn't raised, uh, then our belief is in vain. We are stuck in our sin, and we have no hope. And so what, we, what he's doing in the beginning of this section that we read is he's reminding them of the gospel that was preached to them. And he says this, and, I, and I, on, on this Easter morning, what I want to do is share that message with you. And so Paul begins by saying, I want to remind you of the, what I preached to you, that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Now, in order to understand all that this means, let's go back to the beginning, and I mean the very beginning. So in the beginning, God created light, and it was good. God separated the sky and the waters, and it was good. And God created land and plants, and it was good. And God created the sun and the moon and the stars, and it was good. And God created fish to inhabit the waters and birds to inhabit the sky and it was good and then God created animals and he looked at a puppy and he said you are such a cutie aren't you yes you are <laughs> that's exactly how it went down and then God created man and he said it is not good for man to be alone and so he created an equal strength facing him that's the exact translation of the Hebrew phrase azer kenigdo, which we often translate as helper, right? Are there any ladies in the house today? God created an equal strength who is facing him, yeah? Are there any ladies in the house? I thought maybe so. I thought maybe so. And then once, once Adam saw this equal strength facing him, he goes, whoa, man. And this whoa, man was named Eve. And then God looked over everything that he had created and he said, it is very good. And in this very good world, God's space, and we'll use this space this morning. This is God's living room. You all should feel very good about yourselves. In, the begin, in, this, in this new, very good creation, God's space, where the will of God is done perfectly, let's call that heaven, and humanity's space, where human will is carried out, let's call that earth, in this place, in this very good creation, heaven and earth, God's space and our space were one in the same, and there was perfect harmony and relationship between God and humanity. It was beautiful, it was good, it was wonderful, it was just as God intended. There was only one rule, 
And the one rule was, do not eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if you do, God says, you will certainly die. So they go about and everything is hunky-dory. That's what the the scripture says. Everything was hunky-dory. And one day, Adam and Eve were tempted by the serpent and they ate from the fruit of the tree that they weren't supposed to. And in so doing, they not only disobeyed God, but they were, through their actions, essentially saying that we want to define good and evil for our own terms. This church is called sin. And this sin disrupted the harmony between God's space, and it split the realms so that God's space, where God's will is carried out perfectly, we'll call that heaven, was now separated, and it was now humanity's space. No offense to all of you over here, but this is humanity's space. And the realms were split. Now there was God's space over there, and humanity's space over there, a place where God's will was carried out perfectly, a place where human will was carried out, which had gone against the will of God. Are you with me? Let's call that heaven. Let's call this earth. And at creation, it was very good, but at the fall, the the realms were split. Are you with me? And so Adam and Eve went about the business of ruling themselves and defining good and evil for their own terms. And what they found out is they're not very good at it. In just one generation after Adam and Eve, there were two brothers, Cain and Abel, who got into a fight and Cain killed Abel. Can you imagine it? He killed his own brother. And it turns out that God was right. Sin does lead to death, a very real physical death, but also a spiritual death. And let me tell you, church, the story of humanity and the story of Scripture is humanity trying to deal with the problem of sin and death all on our own. It seems like overcoming physical death is certainly something that seems out of reach for us, but certainly we can address this empty feeling. And so we've come up and we've created all sorts of of, of ways to address the problem of feeling empty or dead on the inside while we live in our space defining good and evil for our own terms. And we say, maybe, maybe if we accomplish a lot then we can avoid this feeling and so we earn lots of degrees and we put it in our space. And then we think maybe if we can build ourselves up by tearing other people down, maybe that will help us to avoid the feeling. This is tearing other people down. Okay, and then, and then we say maybe, maybe, just maybe, if we could entertain ourselves, if we could distract ourselves, then we wouldn't be, have to be in touch with that feeling of, of emptiness on the inside. And so we do all kinds of things to distract ourselves and entertain ourselves. And then we say maybe, just maybe, if we can look good, then maybe we won't have that feeling on the inside. This, I don't identify with this much, but maybe some of you do. Okay, but this one I do identify with. Maybe if we can look good, it's got the cool collar, it's trendy, it's in. At least I think so, but I'm not real sure. We think all of these things, what can we do? And then we think maybe if we look good, but then we say maybe if we feel cool. <laughs> then we'll avoid the feeling on the inside. Now some of, you, some of you have this problem in your life where you don't think fedoras are cool. It's okay to be wrong. It's okay. It's all right to be wrong. Fedoras are cool, and I will resist the temptation to wear that the entire time. 
And then we think maybe if we follow all the rules and are super religious, then we can avoid this feeling of emptiness and death on the inside. Maybe we can do all of this. And then if we accumulate lots of stuff and have all of the latest gadgets, then maybe something will will feel healed on the inside. And we chase and we strive and we accumulate and we do all of these things because we're just trying to address the problem in the garden. Are you with me? And then, of course, we think, Maybe if I was really smart, if I could gain power and influence over people by gaining in knowledge and influence, then maybe that will solve all the problems that are going on in my heart. We do all of this in an effort to fix the problem on our own. But you know what? It just seems to make things worse. Because now our space is nothing but a mess. And we realize that what we've done with our own space and in our own will is we have just made a big mess of it. And we are broken people. It turns out that we also are infected with this overwhelming desire to define good and evil for our own terms and to rule ourselves. And it turns out, church, that we aren't very good at it either. And it isn't that any one of these things is bad in and of themselves. It's just that our life isn't found there. Our life isn't found there. And let me tell you that when we look at those things for life, it is ugly to watch. It's ugly to watch when we think that we can find our life by getting all of these things or becoming important or, or, or satisfying this, this, this inner longing, this inner emptiness with accolades or striving and all of these things. And, and we think to ourselves, if only there were a way for God's space where God's will is carried out perfectly and humanity's space where our will is carried out, but it's against God's will. If only they could be joined together once again, then certainly that might solve the problem of death in our hearts and the death of our bodies. The scripture says, and then, at the fullness of time, when time itself was about to burst, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world. Let me show you what incarnation looks like, friends. It's Jesus moving from God's space, emptying himself, lowering himself, and entering into our space. This is the incarnation. Jesus Christ entering into our mess. That's the beauty of what we celebrate at Christmas. And so Jesus Christ was fully God, fully human. He was God in the flesh. And so in him, now humanity's space and God's space reside in this one man, Jesus Christ. God's space and our space have finally become one. And could it be then, could it be that God is bringing our, his space back into ours? Could it be that God was dealing with the death and the sin problem? And so Jesus Christ enters the story and his first proclamation after his own baptism is repent and believe the good news for the kingdom of God has come near. And then he starts going and doing miracles and healing diseases and feeding people who are hungry and bringing sinners to repentance and restoring outcasts back to community. And all of these acts start to feel like something new was breaking in, and it was. 
The world was being healed. The problem of death was being addressed. Jesus was opening up new ways of thinking about the world. Jesus was opening up new ways of being in the world. And all of this felt new and fresh. Some might even say holy. This new way of life, this new way of being in the world is what the New Testament has called the kingdom of God. And it is coming to earth. And the, but the powers that be. You see, the people who had gotten really good at finding their life in all of these things didn't like Jesus showing up. The people that benefited from these systems of being didn't like when someone came proclaiming grace and mercy and forgiveness. And so Jesus proclaiming the reality of the kingdom of God, the powers that be didn't like this new message and they were determined to end Jesus' message and so they sent him to the cross. But here's the thing, something was happening as Jesus died. That as people hurled insults and brought their violence against him as smart, intelligent, important, influential people demanded that his life be ended, what he was doing is he was gathering up all of this sin, all of this way of doing things on our own. He was gathering them up and taking them on to himself and so that the weight of that sin would eventually kill him. Do you see what's happening? It all seemed like brokenness was being addressed, but then the project of restoration came to an abrupt end when Jesus died on the cross. And on that fateful day, the sky grew dark in the middle of the day, and Jesus died at the hand of Roman officials. But Paul, in reminding the Corinthian church of the faith that they have come to believe, doesn't just say that Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. Paul wants to remind them of the gospel that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and then he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. You see, the good news of what we celebrate today is that death is not the end of the story. If it was, our service today would be a service of mourning and of disappointment of what could have been. Have you ever been there in your life where you go through a moment and you just can't seem to move forward because all you can think about is what could have been or what might have been if they hadn't have said that, if you hadn't have said this, if things had gone differently, if there were different reactions? If the, have you ever been in a place where you're just so focused on what could have been? That's Holy Saturday. Holy Saturday is, a, is sulking in our own disappointment of what might have been. Easter morning is a day of celebrating what is ahead. Are you with me? And so when they were wondering and all of this stuff, the, the mission had been lost and everything, Paul wants to be clear that the scriptures also say that Jesus was raised from the dead. And remember, the consequences of sin was God's space and our space being torn apart, which led to death. Well, guess what? With the resurrection of Jesus Christ, new life and new creation broke in. The resurrection of Jesus Christ and what we celebrate on Easter morning is not just the beauty of the incarnation that Jesus Christ came from God's space and entered into our mess, but what we celebrate and look at an Easter Sunday morning is that on the cross, Jesus took on our sin, 
paid the weight of that sin through death, but then defeated it by way of resurrection so that now you and I are free to not find our life in all of these things, but find our life in the one whom death cannot defeat. This is a beautiful picture. You see, the, the true beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that God's space is invading our space. Amen? God's space is now overlapped with ours. Heaven and earth are coming back together again. And now the restoration mission that began with the life and ministry of Jesus not only is brought forward, but it is guaranteed on the, on the grounds of resurrection. That what God did for Jesus on Easter, he intends to do for all of creation and all of those who will call upon his name. And so church, the good news of Easter is that the resurrection of Christ has, got, has brought God's space and our space together. So that now they overlap and a mission to bring them fully together once again has begun. Amen? What does that mean for us today? Well, what that means for us today is two things. Number one, let us walk in the confidence that Jesus is walking with us. That he is here. He is with you. He is present. This is the beauty of the incarnation, that God is with us in the middle of our mess. Even when we don't recognize him, we named our church Emmaus Road. It's a resurrection story. It's an Easter story. In Luke chapter 24, on the evening of the very first Easter, two disciples are walking along from Jerusalem to Emmaus, and they are absolutely beside themselves with all the events that have happened. And now there are rumors of resurrection. And in their... In their State, in their state of distress and uncertainty and doubt, Jesus joins them along the journey. And they don't even recognize him, but he is there. The first truth on this Easter Sunday morning is that whatever you're going through, Jesus Christ is present and with you. The second thing is this. God's space has invaded our space, but guess what? What that means is that there will be moments of our life with, of utter beauty, of transcendence, of, of, of forgiveness and grace and mercy and reconciliation, and all the things that belong to the kingdom of God will be evidenced in our life sometimes. But we must also live with the alternative, alternative reality or the alternate reality, which is this, that at the very same time, our life will feel like a mess. That there will be moments of utter brokenness, of us trying to find our life in things that cannot give us life. But we live in the tension of the brokenness that we have made and the healing that is made available to us in Christ. And we live in the tension. And here's, here's discipleship. Discipleship is leaning into the reality of what God has done for us in Christ. Discipleship is leaning into the reality to a greater and greater degree of who we are in Christ. And sometimes it will feel easy and natural, and other times it will feel impossible. Welcome to life. <laughs> this is the good news. 
So we live in a world now that is filled with beauty and, and, and presence and, and, and divine moments and also sin and ugliness and brokenness, but God's mission to bring them fully together will continue until they are once one again, once and for all. And so what God is doing right here and right now, church, and I want you to hear this, what God is doing right here and right now is he is taking the mess and the brokenness, he is gathering it up, he is redeeming it and making it brand new. So in order to free us from the striving, in order to remind us of his infinite love for us, in order to invite us to walk in ways of compassion and forgiveness and grace, in order to lift us up from the pit of bondage, in order to give us true peace, not a peace that comes by way or threat of violence, but true peace, and he's inviting us to live in new resurrection life in Christ. Easter is an invitation Easter is not a command to make us feel bad or guilty. It is not an angry father up in the sky looking down at you with a growl on his face. Easter is an invitation to live in the ways of the kingdom of God that are invading our space. Are you with me? It's an invitation. And I want to say that none of this is easy or simple. All of it is complex, nuanced, and difficult. But this is the life of faith, leaning into the reality that God is making all things new, that God is working in your life and through your life, in you and through you to redeem brokenness, clean up the mess, and remake the world. Our role then is to recognize the presence of the divine all around us, to see the ways that God is working. And another part of, of our role is to recognize then our own mess. The ways in which we have not contributed to shalom and peace and human flourishing. The ways in which we have tried to find our life in these other things. And we need to do both. We need to recognize our own brokenness and then learn to see the presence of God at work in the world. Amen? And so, my invitation to you this Easter is that people of all ages, because of the death and the resurrection of Christ, will come to see how God's space has been brought into our space and He is remaking the world. And let me tell you, church, this is good news for everyone. And it has to be good news for everyone or it's not good news. This is good news for everyone. Amen? Hey, let's pray, and then we'll come to the table for communion. And I'll offer some more instructions, but let me say this. With our young ones with us today, parents, we would welcome your children to receive communion today. There is no confirmation necessary. We believe that a sacrament is where God is the active agent, where God is at work forming us as we receive these elements. And so if you are comfortable with your children receiving the elements, we welcome them. But we will leave that up to you. And so the communion servers will be looking to you as parents on, on cues of whether your children will want to receive. And it is totally fine either way. Okay? Let me say a word of prayer and I'll give us some more instructions. Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence, for your goodness, for new life, for resurrection.
Thank you, God, for the good news that you have invaded the mess of our space, that you intend to make all things new, and that you are on a mission of redemption. God, as your people, we want to participate with you. We want to come alongside of the work of your spirit in whatever ways that you are working. And so, God, we look forward to the day that is to come when all things will be made new. But, God, we also live with peace today that your, your kingdom is here. It's not yet here in all of its fullness, but it is here. Let us find rest and peace and comfort there and in that truth. God, be with us as we gather around the Lord's table, people of all ages. May your spirit be at work in us and among us, we pray. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.